Welcome to the Modern CPA Success Show, where we're 100% focused on helping accounting firms achieve success. If you're an accounting firm owner who wants to learn how to grow your firm by providing virtual CFO services, then this podcast is for you. Hello, everybody. Welcome to today's episode. I'm your host, Jamie Na, and I am joined by Jody Grunden. Nice, uh, nice to talk to you guys. And Adam Hello. Hale. Today we are talking through a topic that is really hot right now. So um, the start of this topic was we got an email of some questions on um, the best advice we have for um, running a remote first company or even starting a remote first company. So that was a, a great email we got. And then um, last week, both of us, all three of us were at a conference, um, different conferences and the conferences, this was a very hot topic. So we thought it was time to uh, to talk through this again. So we're excited to talk about, um, you know, we've been doing the remote thing for a long time and I'm gonna let Jody um, just start real quick, just to remind people kind of about our history with remote, um, being a remote company. Yeah, no, no worries. Yeah, we started back in 2002 as a traditional brick and mortar company, and it wasn't until 2013 we started experimenting with remote. We had a client that, or not a client, but an employee that uh, moved down to Texas. We were located at that point in Indiana, and we were wondering, hey, how can we do that? Well, coincidentally, we had a client um, that was completely remote, one of the first uh, remote companies in the world. And for about two years, we learned a little bit of how it worked, you know, what didn't work, you know, that sort of thing. And so we thought, you know, hey, let's go ahead and uh, give it a shot with this one remote, co- you know, one remote employee. And it worked pretty well. Um, they, uh, you know, it worked for well. I'd say for probably about, you know, probably nine, ten months. And then uh, the employee felt pretty isolated. And at that time. We had to kind of figure out what to do differently. And then in 2014, we uh, ventured into the fully remote world and, and uh, jumped right in. Uh, a lot of pushback originally from our team. You know, uh, it, w- it was a completely different uh, thought. Uh, there weren't many remote companies. We were actually one of the first 125, according to Forbes, to, to ever go remote, which was kind of cool. And uh, so that we knew there wasn't a whole lot to lean on. You know, not, not a lot of uh, people going out there that we can say, hey, we hit this is what was right and this is what was wrong. Uh, but in 2014, we made that switch. Uh, 2015, we're feeling it out. And then from there on, it, it worked. And we were like, you know, hey, let's do this going forward. And so, you know, unfortunately, I owned the building that we were in and I had to figure out what to do with that. But uh, we started hiring outside of uh, Indiana and have uh, not looked back ever since. Yeah, I was one of those early dissenters. Um, I was like, eh, I don't know if I'm I'm feeling this. I, I do, not that I was big on hanging out in the office for 40 or 50 hours a week, don't get me wrong, and, and the commute in, albeit it wasn't that bad. I just really couldn't get comfortable at home. Um, you know, it, and really what it amounted to was, you know, everybody I think is used to working from home and that if that's your experience, you know, working off of your phone or taking your laptop home or doing something like that, that's a completely different experience than actually being a remote worker. Um, I would say once I had a dedicated space with a door, um, you know, somewhere I could be kind of closed off and I could, you know, walk through and be at home and, and also be at the office and set up all my technology. I like to use the word nesting. So once I got all my my computer set up, all my monitors, all my tech, I, might, I had my printer at that time. Yeah, that's the thing that whenever you hit the <laughs> button, like the words come out on a piece of paper, um, a scanner, all kinds of stuff. I was set to go. And I'll be honest, whenever I started going into the office after I got all set up at home, I felt the exact same way about the office. I felt like, oh, what's the Wi-Fi password? How do I connect to the printer? How do I do this? How do I do that? And I really wanted to be home. So um, so I think first step is, you know, in terms of developing a remote workforce is just making sure that you have the technology and kind of the parameters around 
you know, what nesting really means and, and helping your, your team be successful that way. Because again, if they're working off the kitchen table, probably going to be a miserable experience. <laughs> no, I think that's a, that's a really good point because I know I was in a similar situation where I'd work from home maybe once a week, once a month, and it was just like, okay, load the laptop up and you're sitting there with the on your lap typing away and you weren't as efficient as you are where now, like, again, we all have multiple monitors and have keyboards and standing desks and like whatever it takes in order to make us comfortable, um, is, is what we have. And again, like you said, if I'm ever traveling and I'm in a hotel and I'm working from the hotel, it just, it just feels different because you're trying to get the Wi-Fi and get all those setups. So I think that's a um, really good point. Um, so I'm going to throw the question to you, Jody. Um, so this is, this was the first question we got is what's, what's your best advice? So if you were to give one piece of advice to someone that's thinking about starting it, what, what would your piece of advice be? Uh, just do it. Um, it's one of those things that if you think about it and you try to make it perfect, uh, it never will be. No working in the office be ever be perfect. Uh, so it's, it's we always come from our comfort zone and step out of the uh, you know into the risky area. And going remote, you, you just have to do it. You have to step out of it. Uh, you have to communicate uh, on the same platform as another big thing. So what I mean by that is that. Um, if you're going remote, you've got to find a way to communicate with your team to make them feel like they're part of a team and not little islands out there, you know, you know, drifting around somewhere. And so uh, look for different virtual platforms. Uh, we use a platform called Sococo, um, but there's many out there. You know, you find a platform that works for you, whether it's Slack or Teams or whatever that might be, and, and really stick with it and make sure that you're communicating and, and, and being really intentional with it. I know Adam mentions this all the time. Intentionality is the key. Uh, to, to making it successful. Are you interested in offering virtual CFO services at your firm or scaling your existing service offerings? The Virtual CFO Playbook, how to land $60,000 a year clients and provide a killer client experience, is an online series of modules that will equip you with essential tools for creating and delivering scalable VCFO services. These approaches have helped Summit CPA grow from $500,000 to upwards of $5 million in revenue over the past decade. If you're ready to grow your firm, visit summitcpa.net slash VCFO playbook to enroll now. So I'm, I'm going to throw the, the next question to you because this is what comes up a lot. And I know it came up last week at my conference um, quite a bit is, okay, now that your team's working from home, how do you guarantee they're productive? Like what would you say is the, the key to make sure people are working when they're at home and not just doing laundry and playing video games? I usually like to sit in their office and watch them while they're on camera um, just to make sure it's, it's stuff done. So I just go person to person just like – Next is software that does that. <laughs> yeah. No, we're not doing keystrokes and stuff like that. I mean if you're super concerned about it, obviously there are those softwares out there that make sure that your computer doesn't go – um, doesn't go, you know, offline for more than 10 minutes or something like that. But we don't do anything like that. I mean, it's really about having a good management system. So we use ClickUp, make sure everybody understands what they need to do for the day, the week, the month, that kind of a thing. And then you just got to trust people. So, um, you know, if the work's not getting done, if people aren't being productive, it'll show up pretty quick in their work. Um, we have regular check-ins uh, with your team. You should have those on a weekly basis if you can manage it a daily basis. Again, it's about setting up your videos. Um, so I know Jody mentioned Slack and now they have a video piece to it. So that's perfectly fine as well. 
Um, but Sococo, our virtual office, makes it to where you can kind of see everybody in the office. So it just makes it real natural just to walk over and see, you know, you two are, you know, Jody and Jamie are in an office together. I can knock on the door, go over, turn on my camera, see each other and just say, hey, like, this is what I'm doing. This is what I got to do kind of a thing. So I think just staying connected is important and then managing, you know, a pretty um, comprehensive task list and making sure that everybody kind of knows what they're doing, like I said, for the week and the month, that kind of thing. Yeah, and I think that the key there is being intentional, and I think having the having the check-ins on the calendar is important, and I think that um, that helps it a lot. One of the things that I've I've started doing the last couple of months is, um, you know, when I get in, oftentimes I'll have three or four meetings in a row, but then I'll have a half-hour break, and I make a point after I get a drink of water or do whatever I needed for the first five minutes of that break is just to go knock on someone's door. So I've been making sure to do that the last couple of months just to make sure that um, people know that we're there to support them, and oftentimes, you know, they'll they assume us three as leadership are extremely busy and that we have no time for them. And so like sometimes when I just pop at someone's office and be like, Hey, let's just want to see how things are going. I have a question about this client. The questions I get back when I do that are a lot. It's a lot more than a, a check-in sometimes. It's just, um, if I pop at someone's office, they're going to come back to me with three or four questions that they were holding because they thought I was too busy to, to answer it. So I just make sure to try to find people, especially newer people. When people are first starting, I'm, I'm making sure to get in there at least once a week and just randomly check in outside of our, our check-ins. And so I'd say that's, that's the biggest thing is, is don't make it like, well, they'll, they'll knock when they need something, just really make it pretty intentional. And I think that's worked pretty well for us. Yeah. Yeah. I think another, another big thing is just simply being on camera. I mean, uh, don't, uh, you know, you, you got to really enforce it. The, the eye contact is so important. I think, uh, uh in, in a remote environment, building relationships, making sure you understand, you know, feeling a part of something, the phone just doesn't do it. And for a lot of people, typing doesn't do it either. You know, some people it works great and that's, you know, it's something, it, you know, each to each his own in that regard, but we really feel that being on camera is the, is a really big key to our success. Uh, for how we've made this uh, to work the way we've done. Uh, so the eye contact is like, like I said, you can't, can't replace it. Right. Cause it's, it's really about, I think the one cool thing and the one advantage that, um, that I think a lot of people think is a disadvantage for working remote is culture. And I think, and the reason why I say that is cause I think you have to be deliberate about it. I think so many people kind of take for granted in an office, it just kind of happens and, and maybe you got a great culture and that's fine. Um, but those things can kind of spin off and you know you can create little mini companies or it can be a bad culture really quick with um, being remote you have to really think out everything that you want to do in terms of yeah we need to be on video camera so you know whereas you can kind of show up and you know even if it's in the office somebody will just call in on their phone or maybe they're just kind of checked out in the meeting here you know you have nothing to look at but right you know right in front of you and if you're turning on your camera of course i could be typing an email right now i just finished one up while jody was talking but um <laughs> but i heard yeah. the clicking i heard uh, the, it's happy but um you know but you know but the reality is is like you said if you turn on the cameras and you're making the eye contact um you really do create uh, more uh, relationships, the check-ins become a lot more valuable. Um, and then Jody, I know, you know, obviously you're big on team retreats. You can kind of talk about that, but I think that's a, a big uh, differentiator too, that you're able to repurpose some, you know, kind of just for lack of a better word, just kind of sunk cost into a building that's probably not yours um, in most instances and, and repurpose it for something that's a little bit, um, goes towards culture a little bit better. Yeah, I think the the team retreats um, are, are are extremely extremely important because you, you know at, when you're working remote, it's important. You know, you don't get the chance to really kind of hang out with people and get to know them a little bit better because you do have to be so intentional when you 
uh, hop into someone's office or, or you know, hop on a Zoom call with somebody, whereas a team retreat gives you the option to kind of hang out with somebody and not talk about work, you know, hey, kind of find out a little bit more about them and, and, and their nuances, you know, what, you know, you know, basically develop a friendship because, again, friendships are, are hugely important to, uh, to, to retention rates and so forth. And so the, uh, the, the team retreats allow you to do that. And so what, what we've done in the past is we've gone to a pretty nice location, whether it's been Vegas or Nashville or uh, California or Indianapolis, you know, some, a, a nice place uh, to visit and then to uh, have about three to four days for a retreat in which kind of just mix and mingle. Uh, the, the, the full purpose of the retreat is to get to know each other. So there's a lot of soft skills, but then it also gives you the, the option to um, bring in some of those things that you really want to get done as a team, you know, maybe a workshopping that uh, uh, on a new software or something of that nature that you, you really want to cover and get everybody in as a group to, to work on. Uh, but the biggest purpose is just simply to get a chance to get to know each other. And so when we structure our retreats, you know, we, we don't actually start uh, doing anything until 11 o'clock. So they start 11 o'clock each day and they end at 5. Uh, from there, we have like a happy hour, and then uh, we have uh, dinners that we put together where we kind of force people to get into groups of eight, into which they can kind of mix and mingle with people they don't typically mix and mingle with. And so it kind of gives them, again, uh, that, that sense of, of being part of a bigger team. And then it seems like afterwards, then the, the team just kind of hangs out with each other, uh, kind of informally and it, more than impromptu. We, open, we usually get someplace where they can congregate, where it's not cost them a bunch of money hanging out at a bar type of thing, where they can kind of just hang in a room with uh, maybe some alcohol or maybe bring a waiter or a bartender in there, you know, something of that nature uh, to keep it controlled. And, uh, you know, then the, the, it just starts all over again. That's why we do the uh, 11 o'clock. So it gives them a chance to hang out with each other again later in the later in the evening if they want to. And then they come uh, ready to go uh, first thing in the morning for the, for the conference. And we try to mix a lot of things in there, maybe have a fun day or something like that, in which we can kind of, you know, do like um, uh, we've we done a lot of different things like cooking classes and, you know, a bunch of different things in, in, in regard to retreats. So we try to make it a little fun. Uh, we try to make it uh, something that they really want to go to. And we do it at least once once a year. So the, the team retreats once a year. And then we try to have like a mini retreat at some time in there to break it up so that uh, they're getting together, on, on a, you know, once one to two times a year basis. And again, that's uh, really going to be key to retention on a, um, a, a virtual environment like we work in. One, one of the things that um, you might have glossed over there that I think is extremely important is the randomized dinners. Because, you know, just like anybody else, I mean, of course, you work with a close knit group, probably of four or five people. So whenever you get there, you're like, oh, I didn't realize how tall you were, or how short you were, or whatever. Um, so you don't think about those kind of things, but they'll kind of have a tendency to kind of get in their own little group and maybe talk to a few people. But by pulling them apart and making them go to these dinners where they interact with people that they normally wouldn't, by the, you can kind of see the evolution of each day. And by the time you get to that final event, that final dinner, that fun thing we're doing, like people all across the board are hanging out and talking to each other. And what we see is that carries back to collaboration back in the office. So people that would have never interacted with one another, now all of a sudden they're direct messaging each other, asking each other for help, maybe making fun of each other on a general channel, just having general fun. So um, those randomized dinners, I think, are kind of a secret success because when you don't have them, I've been to events where they've had them and then all of a sudden they shift them away from those. All of a sudden you see people clicking back up and not being as connected again. It's really, um, it, it's really kind of a cool thing that uh, you need to be really intentional about doing whenever you put together a team retreat. 
Yeah, because I think what, yeah, I, what that does indirectly is it, it, it you know, like you said, when, when, you, when you have a brick and mortar office, you can go in, you can see you've got 60 employees in there, team members or whatever, and, and it feels big. It feels like a lot of people, you have that uh, option. But when you're, when you're in the virtual world like we're in, you really only have four or five people that you're working with all the time. So you, now your 60-person company shrunk down to a four or five-person company because that's really the only people you feel comfortable talking to are the people that you're directly working with. And, and what that does, like Adam said, it kind of forces you to get outside your boundaries now. Now your five-person team now grew up to maybe 12 people. You know, then maybe the next retreat now is 15 people. And it's getting bigger and bigger and bigger where they can go and, and ask questions to people that they would never even have thought uh, to ask a question because they didn't know that person. And so what that does, again, it makes that 60-person firm or 100-person firm or 50 or 30 or whatever it is more like a 30-person firm versus the the four or five that they would be in a remote work remote work, work environment. Yeah, especially if you do the dinner. I mean, I know the dinners we go to are some pretty nice restaurants where you're going to be there for a while. It's not like you're just going to a, a place where you're just going to sit down for 20 minutes and be out of there. You know, we're, we're at our dinners for hour, two hours, and in that amount of time, you find a lot of things you have in common with people you didn't know. You're like, oh, they have a they have a kid my age, or um, they they enjoy doing this as well. And so you, when you, once you find those things that you have in common, they're really easy to talk to. Um, and, and anytime you see them, like, hey, how's this going? And I think that's, that's really key. And one thing I noticed at our last retreat is, you know, I'm usually one of the ones that stay out with the later group and hang out and you know both we had two nights and both night I was hanging out with a group of people and they seemed very different like it wasn't like they're oh it's these four people and then we added this one person in it was like one night was these five or six people and the next night was a totally different group of five or six people and I'm sure there were other groups mm-hmm. outside the ones I was hanging out with that were just completely different people and I think that is really key because like we mentioned earlier it's you especially in a um, environment where you're working from home you want to have resources and if I'm just waiting for Jody and I'm like I need to ask this question and Jody's the only person I feel comfortable asking to it I'm gonna be waiting a long time where if there's like 10 people because I hung out with them at the retreat and I know that I can just ask them, hey, I'm having trouble with this cash flow tool. Can you help me out? And you don't have to wait for one person. You can talk to four or five different people. I think that really makes it key um, and when it comes to the, the retreats. So I'm going to um, shift topics here a little bit. Uh, so I think the other thing that we've discovered as a firm that is really important when it comes to um, – to remote workforce is, is the hiring process is making sure that you find people that are going to, that are going to be successful in the, um, in the remote workforce. So I'm going to throw this question over to you, Adam, because I know you've been pretty involved in the interviewing process. So what are the things we look for and what are the kind of the red flags where like, okay, that's, that means that person's not going to be successful in the remote environment. Yeah. I think the first thing is, is that we find a lot of people that are wanting to work remote think that the job's going to be part-time. I think so making it clear and upfront, you know, right away, like, Hey, this isn't a part-time gig. Um, is probably the first thing. And then the other thing is, is whenever you hear they have a lot of other priorities. So that's the other thing too, is they feel like it's kind of one of those jobs where, oh, I can sit this over here and to the, to the right of me, and then I can just kind of pick it up as I need to. So either, hey, I've got to run. And that's not to say we're not super flexible. So, you know, we all, a lot of us have kids and, and whenever you have to leave for the day for an appointment or, you know, to go hang out with them, it's super flexible that way. But it's not kind of like a, do it whenever you feel like it kind of a, a kind of a job. I mean, it's pretty client facing for in terms of what we do. And so we need people dedicated during normal business hours. So whenever I start hearing, oh yeah, I run these other two businesses or I do this and I do that. And I'm, you know, I just want to be able to fit something in to, to still use my skills. I'm like, eh, you know, it's definitely, um, if not red, it's definitely uh, yellow for sure. And it's one of those things where you have to dig a little deeper and say, hey, no, like this is a full-time job. Think about it just like you'd go into your office at home. By the way, do you have a dedicated office? You know, do you have a space that's just yours where you'll be uninterrupted? And uh, can you go there and, you know, just 
turn it on and turn it off just like you would regular work. You know, you just congratulations, don't have to commute for an hour each morning. And, um, you know, if the, and, you know, then the question will pop up, like I said, well, sometimes I have to get the kids off the bus or I got to go pick them up. And it's like, well, you have freedom and flexibility for that like hour. But what I wouldn't want you doing is just like turning it an hour, turning it on for an hour or two here and then turning it off. Um, that'll make for a pretty chaotic workforce and, uh, and it'll stretch them thin really fast. So that's, that's probably the biggest thing in terms of remote work that I listen for, um, whenever I'm talking to people, making sure they understand again, not part-time and it's not one of those things where you can just kind of pick it up and stop, stop and go all day long kind of a thing. Great. Yeah. And I, I can definitely agree with that. So on the, on the flip side, Jody, what's the, what's the characteristic we see or what's the soft skill or whatever it is, what is the one commonality we've seen people that um, really do are pretty successful um, in this, in this environment? I would say someone that can multitask, someone that's going to can jump from one thing to the next, to the next, to the next, you know, especially for our type of work. That's uh, that's very important. Um, outside of that, you know, just somebody that has the ability to listen, somebody that can communicate really strong, uh, somebody has uh, solid technical skills that they can actually manage a uh, video <laughs> and, uh, and, and communicate really well with it. You know, someone that when you're looking in their background, it doesn't look like you're in a dungeon, you know, that type of thing. You know, their, their self-awareness is important. So there's a lot of different, you know, soft skills that can, you can go on and on and on. And uh, you really need to be high in there. We, we use we use a assessment called EQI, and that's how we look for the different soft skills that uh, that the person might have, you know, the different emotional intelligence uh, varies dramatically from one person to the next. And so that's kind of the, the different, you know, kind of like the starter. If we see something that's kind of really out of whack, then we'll maybe question that within the interview or, or we'll, we'll try to figure out, figure it out. And if we see, you know, the common thing where maybe risk tolerance isn't very high or maybe they, you know, they, whatever it might be that, that we feel is a, a bad detriment to our, our team or lack of success for them, you know, we'll, we'll definitely, you know, hone into that a little bit more and find out, you know, hey, is this a, a true issue or not? And so there's a, there's a lot of them out there, but uh, I would say definitely their camera readiness, their self-awareness, and their ability to communicate are huge. Yeah, and sometimes you'll just get people that just kind of fool you. They're great, and then they just go mm -hmm. off the grid. I mean, that's just one of those things that happen. But a lot of those soft skills that Jody talked about are the same things that you would look like you would look for in an internal person if they were on site mm -hmm. somewhere. So I don't think it's really a whole you know a lot different from there. But there's a lot of preparation and training that kind of goes into it once they do get onboarded, which. Um, I did hear the dungeon remark there, and I didn't see your eyes move, Jody, but I know they were directed at uh, Jamie there. Because if, uh, if you would have seen one of his early offices, we're like, it looked like a torture cell. And we're just like, that is not very welcoming, my friend. Like, you got to change that up for scaring clients. So, and the team. It looked like an insane asylum. They had like the, the pads on the wall. Yeah, and, yeah, uh, it was scary. <laughs> <laughs> on his basement remodel. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was, it was there for a reason. Insulation. <laughs> no, yeah, I think the the biggest and you know, kind of my takeaway in the hiring process is is you know, obviously we gave a lot of good ideas here, but I think go into it with a plan, go into it knowing, okay, this is what we think is going to work for our work home environment, because you know, like like Jody mentioned, we're we're on camera all the time. We have a virtual office. Like we try to make it as realistic as possible so that way you know hopefully the, the skills translate in a lot of ways but if you know you're going to go down a different strategy i think you need to kind of identify what are those key points of success that are going to work within this strategy and i think you know obviously 
finding that, looking for it, and then finding ways to evaluate that in candidates. And just like Adam said, no one's perfect in hiring. Like you could hire someone you think super motivated, and then you find out they're working nine hours a week and <laughs> not really caring. It did ha- it's happened to all of us. So there's there's no science here. But I do think having a plan where you can catch the um, the majority of the the red flags that you're that you're careful for is is really the key there. So yeah, being deliberate about the culture. You know, the tech's probably pretty easy. We do tech stipend, so financially the team's ca- covered whenever they. Um, are working from home. So those are probably the easier things, but the team retreats, you know, we find that semi-annual basis being kind of the key, you know, once a year is probably not good enough. So, you know, all team once a year. And as Jody mentioned, smaller groups at some point at that six month mark is pretty ideal. Um, and then, you know, you can do other cool things around your office, whether it's a, you know, happy hour where everybody gets together and kind of tells jokes or, you know, just bring a little bit more culture into some of your meetings and stuff. So they're not as stuffy and boring. Can you, you touch on that tech stipend a little bit? You mentioned it briefly. What what does that what, what does that mean? Yeah, so the tech stipend is we give all of our um, we give everybody on the team um, you know a couple hundred bucks. We give them a PEX card, so we just load it and and what that takes care of for them is anything technology. Two hundred bucks a month. Right? Two hundred bucks a month. Twenty four hundred dollars. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So sorry, what did I say? Two hundred dollars total. You said it's a couple yeah, hundred bucks. Couple hundred yeah, two hundred dollars. Yeah, that'll cover you all year long. <laughs> Cha-ching. Um, yeah, no, so this is so that you don't have to, um, and it's kind of cool. I mean, especially from, you know, again, kind of an accounting boring background here was like being able to budget stuff. It's pretty nice to be able to say, Hey, my office supplies, um, are going to be $200 a month because it's for their desk. It's for their computer. It's for their internet. So all those things that you would probably normally spend in a brick and mortar and have, you know, a couple vendors for different things. Um, we're still able to do that on a distributed basis where we have all these team members and they have kind of a flat dollar amount. So it makes for a really nice budgeting tool. It creates more of a variable environment. So it goes by headcount as opposed to hey, I have this huge office where I have a hundred seats. Um, now it's like, nope, I got 12, I got 24, I got 60. It doesn't really matter. It kind of um, is able. Mm-hmm. So it's a, a really great budgeting tool and it makes the team really happy. And best part, tax free. So um, as long as they're submitting the receipts and everything, they don't have to pay Uncle Sam on it. So it's a nice little tax free benefit for, for the team as well. Yeah, I'd say basically uh, one of the one of the kind of the, the benefits that we got, the indirect benefits we got is the fact that, well, because of that, we, we don't have people calling us and asking us, hey, can I get this seat? Or, you know, that was always the chair in the office. Hey, well, I'm with this comfortable chair. Can I get it? And it's like, well, <laughs> if I get one for you, I've got to get one for 20 people, you know, that type of thing. Whereas now they can really manage it any way they want. So if they want to use it towards their phone bill, they can do that. If they want to use it towards office furniture, they can do that. We call it a technology stipend, but it's really a home office stipend. Mm-hmm. You know, what they can use, anything around the house, you know, they can they can use you know, for that budget and they're responsible for it. So when their computer goes out in three months, a year, whatever it is, we'll, we'll give them their initial stuff. But when it goes out in three years, they're responsible to, for paying for a new one. You know, that that's part of their technology stipend. So they've got to be good savers as well. Uh, and, it, and to help them out, we, we do do some leasing programs, you know, through Dell and, and so forth to help them out if they don't have that kind of a budget saved up. Uh, we do allow them to do that. But uh, for the most part, they've got to, they, they're on their own there. In addition to the technology stipend, uh, we have an education stipend very similar to that, which we also put a couple hundred dollars 
a month on the uh, technology stipend and our education stipend, and they use that for their their education. You know, the, the old adage is if you're not educating them, someone else will be uh, tomorrow. We want to make sure that they have that autonomy to actually go out and find it themselves, do it themselves, and, and, and go to those things. So autonomy is a big part of especially the culture nowadays. People want that ability to, to basically do things without having a big brother, big sister looking over their head all the time. And so what this allows them to do is allows them to get with two or three people on the team and maybe they want to go to Florida for a, a boring ESOP conference. <laughs> and uh, with that, they can go get a hotel and they can, you know, they can just share their, they can pull their expenses there. But again, anything over and above that would come out of their own pocket. You know, we wouldn't, uh, give them anything more than that. But again, it forces them to really kind of save some up on, on the technology stipend too and use that for their education hotel and, and so forth. And again, maybe that third uh, point point of touch that they can uh, hang out with uh, members of their team, you know. So again, it, it, it's a, there's, there's a lot of benefits from it. And so we, technology stipend, education stipend are huge for us. Yeah, and I'd say that the big thing with both of those is um, is making sure they aren't occurring in a vacuum. And I think that's kind of fun. Like, you know, occasionally someone will post something they got um, for the technology stipend. I'm like, oh, I need one of those too. That's really cool. Or you'll see something on, on someone where they have like a headphone or a microphone or something. And you're like, oh, that looks really cool. And you'll ask about it. So I think that I've I've learned a lot about different tools people are using and um, from, from different people and different conversations I've had. And I think that uh, just having a way for people to share that because you never know. Like, there's just so many technologies out there. There's so many apps. There's so many... Um, phones, all these things that people can use that um, they're using their stipend on and make sure everybody's aware of them. And the same goes for education. You know, maybe someone's planning on going to a, um, a CPE in, in Los Angeles and they just found out about it and they think they're, everybody knows about it and no one really knows. And so they like, hey, hey, Jody, I'm going to this. You want to come with me? And just making sure those things are shared and um, it's not people aren't going into it um, by themselves. So um, I think that's the, the biggest thing that I've experienced over the um, working at Summit is just seeing the cool things people can find out there um, when, when you're looking. So. Cool. So we are um, right at time here. So I'm going to just throw it over to you guys for one final thought. Um, I'll start with you, Jody. Yeah, I would say the uh, the pandemic is, uh, if, if there's a benefit from the pandemic, the benefit is that it's really given everybody a reset option to say, hey, you know what, this is something that I've been thinking about doing for a long time. I found out it works because I was kind of forced to over the last year. And is it something we really want to continue on? And I would really think hard and strong before you make a move to venture back into the office because uh, all the polls are out there saying, that, hey, the remote workforce is really going to be strong. It's really going to be growing. People really want to work from home. And I'd hate for you to go back into the office and then lose your team, uh, not immediately probably, but over time to uh, folks that are taking advantage of the remote environment. So I, I would definitely um, definitely take heed of that. And, and I would, I would, def I would you know, for sure at least look into the possibility, hey, can we work remotely? Yeah, I think the answer is uh, yes, you can. Um, you just have to be intentional. So, um, again, just be really deliberate about um, all aspects of what you're doing, taking care of the culture, the technology, um, the finances that are all kind of bring them all into one, put together a really comprehensive plan. And, and uh, you know, again, we can speak from experience. It works and it works very well. Um, and we've seen that uh, happen also with a lot of our clients. When we see it not working is whenever there's just this uh, – a uh, little bit of mistrust, I guess, in the air um, and, you know, leadership just not being for it. So if, if you can kind of embrace it and go all in, as Jody mentioned earlier, I think uh, you'll find a lot of success with it and your team will appreciate it. Great. Yeah, I know. I've, I've definitely appreciated it here at Summit, and um, it's something I was a little hesitant going into, I think, like a lot of people are, but I've really enjoyed it, and I know it's um, <clears throat> made my work and life a lot better. So definitely appreciate um, Summit being within this model. So 
Thanks for joining us, guys, and a great episode as always. Thanks. Thank you. Enjoy this podcast? Visit our website at summitcpa.net to get more tips and strategies for achieving modern CPA firm success. We're here to be a resource in this ever-changing industry.